if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thanks for being with us. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock. If you're just starting your day on the radio, I appreciate you tuning into us. If you've been here since Hugh, that's even better. Appreciate that too. Coming up on the program today on a free for all Friday that's not very free for all. We are so slammed with important news and guests to talk to. Obviously, we're going to start here in a moment with the uh, explosive. It's the best way to describe it. I know that's kind of a cheesy phrase in news. An explosive new video that has that has um, uh, been unearthed, if you will. It is security camera video from one of the Georgia counting locations. Um, that just is it's it's mind-boggling. Tucker Carlson covered it last night. I'm going to play some of that coverage. I got some other audio that couples with the video that I think will do it justice. Obviously, on the radio you can't see it, but you can hear the discussion and description. We're going to have that for you. Um, this is it. I mean, smoking gun territory here. Smoking gun, at least for this state. It's going to take more than this. It's going to take more proof in Nevada and in Arizona and in uh, Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania about all the fraud that so many of us know happened. It's going to take more smoking guns because apparently sworn affidavits, which are like swearing an oath and testifying before a judge um, under penalty of perjury, apparently those aren't enough anymore as, as proof and evidence. It's going to take more of this type of video evidence but at least we have it started now in Georgia. Just explosive video showing the hours after the state decided to shut down the count. We're just done. We're just done. It's 10.30. You guys feel like calling me tonight? Yeah, let's let's get out of here. Okay, everybody, we'll see you tomorrow. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 7, and we'll start counting again. And that after... Everyone leaves, including the Republican poll observers, and there's only four people left in the counting room. That's when it begins for at least three hours from 1030 at night until after one o'clock in the morning, three, three and a half hours, four hours, whatever it was. Um, They went under a table that had been placed in the counting room, and they started pulling out suitcases full of ballots and went to work in running them through the machines. It is absolutely unconscionable. 
I, I can't describe it in any other terms, honestly. Explosive, unconscionable, unbelievable, blah, blah, blah. But this is, this is, these are demon rats we're talking about. So none of it is unbelievable. All of it is very believable. But this could be the game changer that we have been looking for. And we'll talk about that. Now, having said that, having said that, we may have proof and evidence now that Georgia cheated and Georgia's counters, et cetera, et cetera, did these kinds of things. And so, therefore, we have to fix Georgia before the runoff election. It does not change the point that Hugh Hewitt was making at the end of his show today. We absolutely, whether they cheat or not, we have to win Georgia. We cannot Tell conservative Republican voters in Georgia to stay home because, look, we have evidence that it's not fair, so don't vote. That is honestly the most asinine suggestion that I have heard ever. Let's reward the Democrats for cheating Trump out of victory in Georgia by also giving the Democrats the Senate. Try to process the functional stupidity of that mindset. Don't think that way. You're better than that. And I'm speaking to everybody, no matter what your political stripes are. Do not uh, 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 mistake, make the mistake of thinking that you're going to punish the Georgia electors and the Georgia Republican Party for not securing the election better. Um, during the presidential election by not showing up to vote for Republicans like them in the runoff election. If you think you're punishing them, you're punishing you. You would be punishing by encouraging Georgians to sit this out, Linwood and Sidney Powell and any and every other quote-unquote Republican who thinks that we should just threaten to sit out crush momentum for the two Republican senators, you're punishing you. You're punishing us. You're punishing this country. You're ending the republic. Do you understand? I cannot make this more clear. President Trump has made this clear. Donald Trump Jr. is out there giving speeches making this clear. For goodness sakes, you don't reward cheating and malfeasance by giving them another victory. You overcome their cheating and hold the Senate and then work toward making whatever electoral fixes have to be made and putting in prison those responsible for the cheating in the first place. Wow, normally I set up the show before I get into the first topic, but I am so fired up about this. Georgia is in jeopardy. Because Republicans are split and not united. Some of them are following the Powell and uh, uh, um, Wood side of things and saying, they stole the election from Donald Trump, therefore we're not going to vote for Republicans. We're going to give the Democrats an extra victory to, to punish them for stealing the victory from President Trump. My goodness gracious, don't be so naive. That is impossibly stupid impossible to comprehend the level of idiocy that that would take. Do not think that way. I'll get back to that. Coming up on the program today, if this were a normal circumstance and I didn't have guests already booked, I would probably talk about Georgia and this, this videotape for two hours. But as it stands, we do have guests booked, and we have very important things to talk about. Coming up. Uh, in less than a half an hour at 935, uh, Joe Biden said yesterday that he will ask Americans quote-unquote ask, 
Americans to wear masks for the first 100 days that he's in office. So in other words, until about April, he's going he's gonna to demand that Americans wear masks. This is kind of appropriate timing because I'm going to talk coming up at, um, uh, at about uh, 9.35 with a, a defense attorney in um, the state of New York. She's, she's an attorney by trade. But she wrote an extraordinary piece on the unscientific masking of America. She has done the research and dug in to the masking nonsense that we have been forced to, uh, to endure across this country. Her name is Jenin Eunice, and she, like I said, she's a defense attorney in, uh, um, in uh, New York, but she wrote for American Institute for Economic Research a piece called The Strangely Unscientific Masking of America, in which she deconstructs all of the ridiculous arguments in favor of mandatory mask mandates, and she also deconstructs the media that is so willing to go along with this, to go along with this in the face of the science. People talk about on the left, you know, follow the science when it comes to coronavirus. Follow the science, follow the science, follow the science. Well, she has followed the science and found us in a very different place than where the media and the left wants us to to uh, to be. So Jenin is going to be joining us at 935, a public defender in New York City who wrote for AIER, the American Institute for Economic Research, on masking. And I think it's important, especially in light of Joe Biden yesterday saying he's going to demand this into the spring of next year. Then at 1010, we get a return of an old friend. We haven't talked to Ryan Morrow as much in recent months as we once had. Ryan Morrow is still doing great work for the Clarion Project. Ryan Morrow produced a 29-minute film which is available for free on YouTube, called Covert Cash. And Ryan lays out the fact that your kids are being educated not so much by Americans, but by foreign governments, including the worst foreign governments that you can imagine. Talking about China. The Chinese Communist Party is educating your kids. Talking about Saudi Arabia, they're supposed to be an ally, but we know they're not necessarily. Talking about Qatar, the second largest sponsor of international terrorism in the world. They have donated billions upon billions of dollars to America's universities, all for the purpose of buying influence over the curriculum all for the purpose of indoctrinating your kids into thinking not the American way, but the Islamic way, in the cases of Qatar and Saudi Arabia and other countries, and, yes, the communist way, in the case of China. It's extraordinary. It's 29 minutes. It'll make you rethink sending your kids to college at all. Not even kidding about that. You will, once you watch that 29-minute movie, um, you will understand that. And Ryan Morrow is going to, join, going to join us rather at 10.10 this morning to talk about it. As a matter of fact, he's going to stay with us for the entire final hour of the show because there is that much important ground to cover. So that's where we are. It's 9.17. We'll take our time out here. I want to come back and give you more information about the Georgia video that has kind of rocked uh, the political and electoral establishment right now. We actually have a smoking gun piece of evidence of cheating going on after the counting was supposed to have been stopped on election night. And what happened, caught by surveillance cameras, what happened after the facts? We'll get into that as we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. 
Okay, 921, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. So, the video is um, really about the only thing being discussed right now among everybody not in the mainstream media. And what I mean by that is the video of um, footage, surveillance footage, of Georgia, a Georgia recount room, or not a recount room, a counting room, rather, on election night, showing suitcases filled with ballots being pulled from underneath a dark table after supervisors told poll workers, hey, it's 10.30, it's really late, let's get out of here for the night. We'll come back and start again in the morning. Um, but wait a minute, sir, Doesn't, don't the American people want to know who won our state and thus who won the presidency? Ah, yeah, but they can wait till morning. For no reason whatsoever, they sent people home. And once the people were sent home, and in particular the poll observers for the Republican Party, four individuals left behind went to work. And it's on video. This is a report from OAN. I love doing this when I can uh, kind of wean you off of Fox News, which I'm doing too. I still watch Tucker and some other things, but trying to wean you off of Fox News, this is a report from OAN, One American News. At about 8 o'clock in the morning, we're going to roll this back and show it to you. There you go. So now they're going to start pulling these ballots out from under this table. This table, the black one, was placed there by the lady with the blonde braids at about 8.22 a.m. in the morning. So she. You're going to have to envision this. Obviously, we are talking about walking through a video, but I think the audio description here does it justice. So try to try to follow along. Put that table there. So the same person who's staying behind now, the same person who cleared the place out under the pretense that we're going to stop counting, is the person who put the table there at 8.22 in the morning. Yeah, I saw four suitcases come out from underneath the table. Yeah, upper right hand, you see the gentleman in the red. So he just pulled one out. Bear with it. So what are these ballots doing there, separate from all the other ballots? And why are they only counting them whenever the place is cleared out with no witnesses? Is the question. So these machines can process about 3,000 ballots an hour. You have multiple, multiple machines there, and they're there for two hours. So you do the math. How many ballots went through those machines in those two hours when there was no one there to supervise, to be present, consistent with your statutes and rules, to supervise the tabulation? We believe that could easily be, and probably is certainly, beyond the margin of victory in this race. Beyond the margin of victory in this race, from this two-hour period alone. All right, now that was the first video to uh, to be presented here. It was presented by OAN One American News. Eventually, it got to Fox News as well, and Tucker Carlson discussed it this way. Heard a lot about voter fraud recently. This is actually pretty unbelievable. The Trump campaign today presented surveillance footage at a hearing of, on election fraud in Georgia. The footage appears to show poll workers pulling ballots out of suitcases after they told poll monitors to go home. The clip you're about to see is narrated by a lawyer with the Texas Public Policy Foundation. There are four different camera angles here, so as you watch, pay attention to the top right-hand box. We're going to roll this back and show it to you. There you go. So now they're going to start pulling... That's more of what we just heard, obviously, so I don't need to make you hear that again. I just kind of want to get to the rest of uh, Tucker's uh, commentary on this. I mean... 
what the hell? We spent all day trying to find out exactly the context here. We, we reached out to officials in Fulton County, Georgia. They didn't answer any of our specific questions about this footage. We're going to keep pressing because, again, that's on tape and it's unbelievable. We know that fraud took place. We know ballots have just kind of showed up in various places. We told you last night about Claudia Tenney. She's a candidate for... Right, there. Um, it, Tucker Carlson looked at that and said, I mean, what the hell? I, you, you're speechless. He is speechless. That guy doesn't get speechless. I don't get speechless. My jaw was on my chest when I watched that video yesterday. This is the smoking gun that we talk about. And it may be the smoking gun that leads to somebody actually trying to verify what happened in Georgia. The governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, has not necessarily been a friend to the Trump legal team when it comes to challenging the election fraud that, that, that has been alleged in his state. But now, after watching that video, Brian Kemp said this. Uh, and Purdue from a lot of fraud. Governor, would that process look like that? Would it be a simple fix? Well, Laura, welcome to Georgia. We're the red wall to stop uh, socialism, Pelosi, AOC, and everybody else. And uh, I'm really glad to be here with you to try to help my friends David Perdue and Senator Leffler. You know, I called early on for a signature audit. Obviously, the Secretary of State, per the laws and the Constitution, would have to order that. He has not done that. I think it should be done. I think especially with what we saw today it raises more questions there needs to be transparency on that uh, i would again call for that and uh, i think in the next twenty four hours hopefully we'll see a lot more from the hearings that the legislature had today and we'll be able to look and see what the next steps are but that's what's good about where we are now uh... because of the recount that we're having in the state it allows those things to be looked at so the governor now says um, this needs to be looked at. There needs to be more transparency. He says he already called for a signature audit, which is important, but that's just part of the process of verifying the um, integrity of the election. He said that it's not his call, however. It's up to the Secretary of State Raffensperger. Raffensperger has been anything but cooperative with the governor and with, quite frankly, the Trump legal team when it comes to this. He has been a thorn in the side of President Trump. He has almost seemingly, and I don't want to make allegations I cannot substantiate, but he just from the outside appearance of this, he seems to be working in concert with the Democrats. If theft happened, he doesn't want to know about it. If fraud happened, he is, hey, we already did a recount. That's all we can do. And as Rudy Giuliani said in the very early going, what good does doing a recount of fraudulent ballots do? If those ballots, the, the illegal ones that were just described to you in those videos, if those illegal ballots were counted illegally the first time around, which they were, as evidenced by the video, what good does doing another count of illegal ballots do? Giuliani made that point very clear, and he's right. They're going to be the same totals because the illegal ballots the first time are going to be counted the second time. It's not about recounting. It's about doing a full-on audit, matching signatures with signatures, and obviously looking into and investigating, and I, and I think it's very clear what needs to happen here. Bill Barr, the Attorney General, who said a couple of days ago, I have not seen any widespread fraud, or we have not seen any, we'll still keep our eyes open and ears open, but we have not seen any fraud. Bill Barr needs to change his tune and say, yep, I saw the same video everybody else saw. 
And what I'm going to do now is I'm going to put a freaking huge team of investigators together to find the identities of those four people who were left behind after poll observers were sent home, who pulled suitcases of ballots out from underneath a black table where they were hidden, and then started running through them after they sent people home at around 1030 at night and stayed there until about one o'clock in the morning, about two and a half hours. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get each one of them in a room. And I'm going to interrogate each and every one of them individually and to tell them, unless you want to spend a good portion of the rest of your life in prison, you better tell me who put those there. You better tell me the origin. You better tell me all of it, independent of one another. This is where criminal investigation is necessary, not just civil civil litigation on behalf of Trump team. And that's where we stand. It's the 4th of December right now. There's only 10 days until the Electoral College casts their votes. This needs to be acted upon immediately. This is the smoking gun in Georgia, and hopefully it will lead to more widespread uh, evidence, not just allegations, but evidence in other states coming uh, coming out as well. All right, that's all I can say about that for now, because it is time for news. And on the flip side of the news, one of the other most important issues that we face right now is the assault on our freedom. And that's exactly what mandate, mandated mask wearing um, is in this country. It's an attack on the First Amendment. It's an attack on our freedom. And the science behind it is, let's just say, to be generous, lacking, uh, to be a little bit more critical, fraudulent. We're going to talk with a guest who wrote about this. We told you about it before, um, who has done great research on the unscientific masking of America. Jen and Eunice will be joining us from American Institute for Economic Research next. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed, 937. Now we continue on AM 1420. The answer, what a day, what a morning. Massive, massive uh, video release, surveillance video from the Georgia counting room uh, yesterday in Fulton County uh, showing uh, illegal ballot counting being done after people were sent home. We've got Joe Biden threatening us, essentially promising us that we're going to have to wear masks for at least the first 100 days of his presidency. And uh, and we've got our educational systems under attack by foreign money. <laughs> Ryan Morrow is going to talk about that with us coming up at 1010. Uh, I want to talk about the masking right now. Janine Eunice is a New York City public defender. Now, you wouldn't necessarily think an attorney is going to be somebody to speak uh, uh, knowledgeably and um, uh, affirmatively on the masking issue, but she sure did when she wrote this fantastic piece for uh, the American Institute for Economic Research. It's called The Strangely Unscientific Masking of America. She did her research, and this is phenomenal. I asked her to come on and join us to tell us about this today, and she was kind enough to do that. So, Janine Yunus, thank you so much for the time. How are you this morning? Good. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, I, I really, you know, I've been, I've been, a lot of people like me, a lot of conservative talk show hosts and others have been really, really worried about the masking issues from a First Amendment standpoint. But a lot of us have also been arguing uh, about the masking mandates from a health standpoint because it's simply two things. Number one, it does, it is not proven or they are not proven to actually protect people from the virus. And number two, it actually is proven or they are proven, uh, to create health problems for healthy people who wear them for long, ter- long periods of time. 
I read your yeah. uh, article in which you discuss all of the above, and I just thought it was one of the best summaries that I've seen thus far. So I want to get into some of the details with you, Janine. First of all, what led you to do this research into the Danish study and all of the other studies and the other uh, policies that have been uh, released on this? What was your motive? Um, a good question. I actually I started uh, my research in writing with the lockdowns, which I you know, sort of instinctively thought were going to be really harmful, even though everyone around me seemed to have no problem with them. And that sort of led me um, down the lane of the masks, I guess, because there was so much related uh, subject matter. And I initially actually didn't make masks my thing. I, I didn't like them. I thought it didn't seem to me there was much behind them, but I thought the lockdowns were a much bigger problem. Mm-hmm. But actually, as I continued to research, I sort of changed. And I, I think the masks are really a terrible problem that need to be addressed. Well, you know, I could not agree more. And like I said, there are a lot of us who are getting really, really uh, at our wits end about this, especially when we see the the quote unquote or presumptive president elect saying we're going to do this for at least the first 100 days of his presidency. So let's dive into some of what you wrote about for for this uh, publication. Now, I'm going to quote a couple of lines here and ask you to go in, in more depth about it as rapidly as mask use became a matter of ethics, the issue transformed into a political one, obviously, exemplified by an article printed on March 27th in the New York Times entitled, More Americans Should Probably Wear Masks for Protection. As you say, uh, 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 Janine, this piece was heavy on fear-mongering and light on evidence. Can you give us more on that? Yeah, well, the studies that the, that article cited are really uh, shoddy um, in terms of supporting a mask mandate or people asymptomatic people wearing them everywhere, especially outdoors. Um, one of the studies was, a, was done on a simulator dummy. Another one, I think, was surgical masks in a very limited indoor environment, but used, used by medical professionals. These things don't account for people's day-to-day use, um, you know, touching them, taking them on and off, kids using them. Um, and I think there's very little evidence, frankly, that asymptomatic people uh, spread the virus very much. So I, I don't, I think the idea of just healthy people wearing them going about their lives is absurd and there's just no evidence to support it at all. That That is a thousand percent true, especially when they use that dummy head where they go up there and they strap it on there and they conduct their tests and they put it on there perfectly as if that's how people do it, and they don't. And you know who else, Janine, right. doesn't think that asymptomatic people cause uh, widespreads of virus? Dr. Fauci, the grand poobah of right. epidemiology we're all supposed to listen to, he said this past spring, he said asymptomatic, there is never in the history of, of, of humanity that we are aware of never been uh, a virus, a, a big viral spread from asymptomatic people, the, the virus. Virus is spread by the sick, not by the healthy, right. uh, and, and or right. you know e- even those who may be infected but are not symptomatic of it. And that is something that they seem to want to cast aside now as they, you know, change their narrative. Right, right. Um, there was actually Let's, a big let me, study uh, look, just out of China. Okay, oh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, we have a delay here on oh. the on the signal, so we may talk over each oh, other. Apologies. Uh, no, go ahead and finish your thought. <laughs> Oh, there was a big study out of China, which I guess there's a question about how much we should trust it it since it came out of China, but it showed no asymptomatic spread. I think it tracked like 3,000 people or something, and not one got it. That's correct. From an asymptomatic context. That's correct. Yeah, I, I've I've cited that study as well, and some people say, well, you can't trust the Chinese, and that is probably true by and large, but, the, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, you, the, the Chinese have the world market cornered on PPE. If anybody would benefit from spreading the, right. you know, the, the misinformation, you know, spreading misinformation right. that, uh, that, that uh, you know, asymptomatic people can make the spread, and you better mask up, and you better sanitize, I mean, the Chinese would benefit from that because they've got the market cornered on it. Exactly, right. 
Okay, I'm going to quote a little bit more from your article and get a little bit more in-depth. The speed with which mask-wearing among the general public transitioned from unheard of to a moral necessity struck me as suspicious, quoting you. After all, if the science was as airtight as those around me claimed, surely masks would have been recommended by February, January or February. Not to mention, during the prior infectious disease outbreaks, this 2009 swine flu. Their answer to that, Janine, is this is a novel coronavirus. So when we told you not to buy masks in February and in March, and not to wear them because they're useless, as the Surgeon General, among others, did. Well, we didn't know what we would learn about it later. It's a novel coronavirus. It continued to change. And now we know masking works. Do you buy that? Not at all. I mean, viruses spread in similar ways, and we know we've had coronaviruses around forever. Um, It's not as though, you know, this is something so new that it could spread it, you know, beyond a mask when other coronaviruses don't, or sorry, it could be contained with a mask when other coronaviruses can't. That's just, that makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and, the, you know, I remember that weekend when it just, the, the switch flipped, um, and all of a sudden, my friends were saying, you know, if you didn't wear a mask, you're a horrible person. And I was like, wait a second, yesterday, we weren't even hearing anything about it. I mean, we can't be so sh- sure. And just the more research I did, the more it really dawned on me that this is shoddy, shoddy evidence at best. Let's talk, Janine Yunus, uh, public defender in New York City. Um, let's talk about some of that research. You quote in your article, which I found very, very important, um, the Institute of Health Metrics Evaluation and their astounding claim published in the journal Nature Medicine and echoed in countless articles afterward by the left, and I don't know what your politics are, by the way, so if I continue to criticize the left, I hope I'm not offending <laughs> you, but this is the reality of the situation. These are these are kind of left-wing organizations that have been promoting this, this, this narrative that the lives of 130,000 people could have been saved with the nationwide mask mandate. Now, you dug into that a little bit and found what? Well, that number was uh, flawed because it was based on a faulty statistic in the first place. They were using evidence from, or sorry, they were using a survey from April through June in which fewer Americans were wearing masks. I think it was 49% to say, well, if we had a mask mandate and basically everyone was wearing masks, then we would be saving all these people who are dying. But actually, by the time the, um, the, the paper came out, we were talking about September or something, when around 83% of Americans were already wearing masks. So this idea that um, it's because people aren't wearing masks enough that people are dying is absurd. I don't think there's evidence a single person's life has been saved with, with masks, by the way. Um, but 130,000, no, no, I don't there, think there's not. Yeah, and, and, and everything you just said is true. And this is kind of getting to, to the meat of the, the article that you wrote, which, by the way, if people need to read. I have It's on my Facebook page for those who follow me there. Uh, and, in fact, I think I put it on my Parler uh, account as well. Follow me on Parler at, at France Radio. But um, read this entire article. Let's get into the meat of this now. Not only are the studies that they are citing proving that masks work, now, not only are they not proving that, um, they are burying those who wish to mask America in, in perpetuity, they're burying studies that, that, that prove the opposite. And, and, and that's where I want to get into the Danish study. This was the largest randomized trial uh, and controlled study of, of its kind. Some 6,000 people, uh, 3,000 wearing masks and 3,000 not wearing masks, were monitored. Uh, and you know, I think some 4,200 ended up participating in it. Some of them decided not to, but it started out with 6,000. 
And what they found, as, as you reported on, Janine, is that there was a statistical, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, there was no statistical difference between, let's put it that way, I think it was one-third of one percent, um, of a likelihood of getting or contracting a virus while wearing masks as opposed to the control group that did not wear masks. And if that's, the, again, this is the largest study of its kind anywhere in the world, if that's all that they have to hang their hats on is one-third of one percent, and that's why we should all put ourselves in jeopardy by wearing masks, I think we got a big problem here. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, um, so the the New York Times wrote an article uh, sort of saying, well, the study shows maybe you don't need to, or, you know, suggests uh, there's no protective effect, but you need to wear them anyway. And then goes on to quote a professor of biostatics that I think you pen, who says, well, it's statistically insignificant, but uh, it, it points in the direction of a benefit. I mean, the point of statistical insignificance is that you're not supposed to use that for anything. And I think this shows just how politicized it is and how, little solid science there is behind it that they're trying to grasp at straws with this um so that was the word i, I was mean, looking for when i when i when i paused yeah. a moment ago Stat- yeah. statistically insignificant uh the difference and the the um uh penn uh biostatistician referring to susan ellerberg said nothing in this in this study suggests that it is useless to wear a mask but as you point yeah. out in your article janine nothing in that study suggests it is useful to wear a mask and that is what they again they refuse to tell you but it doesn't stop there right. not only does nothing in the study suggest it's useful to wear a mask scientists who, as you point out, you know, should analyze data that contradicts their biases and assumptions and be open to changing their beliefs accordingly, instead have said, don't believe what, you know, your lying eyes. Don't believe the statistics. Right. Don't believe the actual results here. You still have to wear the mask anyway. They're just basically saying the study didn't say what we thought it would, so therefore we should ignore it. Right, right. That's that's so true. And, um, I mean, I, as I did more research, one of the, biggest pieces of evidence mask proponents use to support their position is that Asian countries seem to have low incidence of um, coronavirus and certainly coronavirus deaths, mm-hmm. and there is a culture of mask wearing there. But there are so many other explanations for that that scientists have posited. There, um, they, they, It seems that they may have had more exposure to other coronaviruses, which, which provides some immunity. They also have a different diet, genetics. Um, the scientists think all of these might be explanations. You can't just say because masks are worn in some countries and they have lower incidence, therefore that must be the masks. That's not science. That's correlation. Uh, any you know anybody who can think logically knows that that's not causation. Right. Correlation is not causation. And and as you point out, even if we do just stick with the mask part of that discussion, and you're right about their exposure to other coronaviruses, et cetera, um, 83% of Americans are wearing masks in public regularly, higher than the 77% in Vietnam and the 82% in Taiwan that people are right. using as the, uh, as the baseline here or, or, you know, as the, the model for, for what people should do. So, you know, that is, uh, you know, that is statistically important as well. And then uh, I want to wrap right. with this, uh, Jeannie. We're talking to, uh, Janine Eunice. She is a public defender in New York City, but she wrote this fantastic piece on the scientific mask, or unscientific masking of America for AIER, that's the American Institute for Economic Research. Um, talking, Janine, about the death rates and talking about, you know, the impact that masks have had on American lives and uh, and also on just health, um, you kind of close by saying that the masking issue is very similar to some of the other 
um, orders that have been given around the country, the school closures, the business lockdowns, the social distancing, the stay away from family members and, and, and relatives at holidays and so on and so forth. Can, can you give us your summary of all of those orders and what their effectiveness are based on what you've been able to research? Yeah, um, their effectiveness is not very much. <laughs> if you notice, cases are going up in various parts of the world. It seems to have a lot more to do with climate um, than anything else. It's it's a virus. It spreads. If, you know, if you tell people to stay home, they stay home. They spread it to their family members. Um, and and regardless, the harms of locking down all sorts of lockdowns, whether it's schools, businesses, um, just telling people they can't go to Christmas with their family, it's it's harmful. To, it's harmful economically. It's harmful psychologically. It's it's even harmful physically. People should be out getting sunshine. Vitamin D is uh, one of the best. Um, uh, proven ways of actually having a mild case of the coronavirus. So all of this is just, there, there's no evidence behind any of it. In my opinion, we should more or less be going about our lives with some protections for vulnerable people. Everything should be open. And we and healthy people under the age of 65, 70 should just go about their lives. Janine, you are obviously just expressing your opinion, but your opinion is grounded in some very important factual research, and I think that makes it a little bit more valid. Uh, I I said just kind of in passing a moment ago, I don't know what your politics are, but I do know what the politics of New York City are. So I'm going to ask you, how has your research and your article been received in in the circles around you in uh, in New York? (laughs) Well, not well. (laughs) Um, I've definitely lost some friends and family over it, but... uh... But I and I, I was a, a staunch leftist. I've sort of shifted a little bit over the last uh, month and become a little bit more libertarian-minded. I would say as I've learned more about this. Um, so. In other words, you're willing to do what the scientists are not, and that is adjust your exactly. viewpoint based on evidence presented. And that is that's that's exactly, exactly how it's supposed to work. Uh, Janine uh, Eunice, exactly. thank you so very much. I, I appreciate your time this morning. I really appreciate what you wrote. I'll continue to share it. And uh, best of luck to you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right, have a great day. That's Janine Eunice again. You heard her. She's a former leftist. She's a New York City public defender, and uh, she has uh, evolved her positions on a number of things based on what we have seen in this country for the last month. All right, quick time out right back after this on AM 1420, The Answer. Short segment here before the top of the hour. I want to use it to uh, clear up a couple of points, or actually to make a couple of points, rather. Uh, Number one, Janine Eunice and her article is on my Facebook page if you are a Facebook friend of mine, and it is on my parlor feed as well at France Radio, so you should read that article and share it with as many people as possible. It completely debunks some of the bogus research, and the buried research is, is promoted. Because that's what the left does. They promote their bogus research. They bury the uh, the actual research um, that uh, dis- disproves their narrative. So follow that there. Secondly, uh, to the larger issue of the day, the one that I started the program with about Georgia and the explosive video, which seems to show, it appears to show, the exact fraud that we have been talking about taking place. It's amazing that these people, if they're going to try to steal the election from the President of the United States, wouldn't look around the room and see that there were surveillance cameras on the ceilings. 
You'd think that they would actually do better than that. They cleared the room of all of the observers, including the Republican poll watchers, who were told, go home, we're done for the day, we'll be back tomorrow morning at 7 or whatever time to start this up again. And then, while everybody left, four people pulled hidden suitcases of ballots out from underneath the table and then took them over to their counting machines and began uploading them, which, of course, would explain why. Uh, in, in a number of states, not just Georgia, the next morning, suddenly the numbers had changed from where they were when they, quote-unquote, quote, stopped counting. All of that is there. And many are saying that because of that corruption in Georgia and the electoral system, we should teach them a lesson by not voting in the runoff election. I'm going to reiterate strong language here and say, don't be stupid. Don't be idiotic. Do not support. And publicly, you should argue on behalf of the two Republican senators to hold their seats because it is the only way for us to get some modicum of quote-unquote revenge for this. And it's not revenge, it's just simple, you know, election electioneering. But we have to not make sure that the Democrats don't win the presidency by theft and then win the Senate by, you know, rewarding them for that theft in the first place. The only quote-unquote revenge, or maybe to balance the scale is a better way to say that, is to make sure that the two Republicans are elected in spite of the Democrats' cheating efforts. And I'm going to use this as we go to the news. Even Democrats get that. Lifelong Democrat Georgia State Rep. Vernon Jones, who came out in support of Donald Trump in this election, said yesterday, it is crucial that Republicans, that's right, Republicans win This is a Democrat saying this, win the two Georgia Senate seats. Because, quote, if the Senate goes, this country goes. It's what I have been screaming since the election. It's what many others who are really paying attention here have been shouting as well. Do not reward their theft of the presidency by allowing them to also seal the Senate, or we are done. All right, going to get our time out for news here. And on the other side, our old friend Ryan Morrow from The Clarion Project has put a film together that you should watch on YouTube. It's free. It's 29 minutes long. It's called Covert Cash. It's going to make you rethink sending your kids to college. He'll explain when he joins us next. 